Well, hey, welcome to the Learning to Lead podcast. I'm Paul Doherty, your host. And today we're talking about learning to lead your love life. Come on, somebody. Learning to lead your love life. So whether you're single or married, um, I've got some notes that I want to talk to you today about leading your love life. How do you lead those emotions of wanting to be in a relationship, wanting to get your desires met, um, wanting to be married uh, for the married people, wanting sex, wanting intimacy, wanting emotional connection with your spouse? How do you lead your hormones? <laughs> um, how do you lead yourself, right, in relationships? And if we're not careful, if we don't do a good job leading ourselves, we end up making a mess and uh, making things complicated in relationships. And so I want to talk just for a second um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is the message version. Paul the Apostle says, now let's get down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. So he's talking to some church people. And he says, you guys had some questions for me. And the first question you asked me is, is it a good thing to want sex? Is it a good thing to desire sexual relationships? And Paul answers it with this right off the bat. He says, certainly, but only within a certain context. Okay, now that's very important. So Paul says, yes, sex is good, but only inside the right context. In other words, God doesn't want to deprive you of a desire that he actually created inside of you. God gave us the desire for sexual intimacy. God gave us even the the word desire. That's from God. That's a gift. But what we do with desire, uh, that's where we can get ourselves in trouble. We either go about fulfilling desires God's way or our way. Right now in Hollywood, we've seen a backlash of uh, a lot of wealthy, powerful men who've gone about trying to get their desires their own way, taking advantage of women, uh, being abusive, being overpowering. Just because you're strong enough to do something doesn't mean it's okay to do it, right? So Paul says, listen, sex is good, and it's and it's actually God's gift, but only inside the right context. Let's talk about where it's good. And Paul says this, it's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. So Paul answers, sex is good inside the covenant of marriage, where it's protected, where it's safe, where there's actually a commitment to each other and you're not just sleeping around. And he says, sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Again, I'm reading from the Bible, 1 Corinthians 7, that's verse 3. He says, "Sex is the drive for sex is strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain that drive and give a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Listen, the Bible's trying to answer the deepest questions that we all deal with. And some people say, well, the church shouldn't talk about sex. That's wrong. Let's not go there. And I would say, yes, we should. We need to be because it's God's gift. He created it. Let's not let the world define something that they didn't create, that God created. So let's go to God's word and find out what God has to say about sex and what he has to say about relationships, singleness, dating, marriage. So he says this, the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality where the husband is seeking to serve his wife. Right. So Paul says the marriage shouldn't be all about one side getting its desires met while the other side is just a slave. That's not marriage. That's that's slavery. That's that's not service. Right. So Paul says the husband should be a servant and the wife should be a servant. They should work to serve each other. They should sacrifice oftentimes their own desires to serve the other person's desires. I've talked with married couples. I'm a married man. Uh, I've been in these same moments before in my own marriage where 
I want something. I've talked with couples where the man wants something, the woman wants something. And at the end of the day, when, when neither of them are getting their needs met, there's this anger, there's this frustration, there's this holding out. Well, I'm not going to give you what you want. Um, and what we have to do is we have to say, you know what, even though my needs aren't being met right now, I choose to serve my spouse's needs. And I'm praying that God will help them to open up and serve my needs. Now let's talk about for a second singleness. So Again, the marriage bed is a place where the husband and the wife seek to serve each other. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is the decision to serve each other, whether in bed or not. Okay, again, let's go to singleness. Paul says this in in verse 7. He says, Sometimes I wish everyone were single just like me. Their life would be a lot less complicated, right? Because Paul was talking about how sometimes people hold out in marriage and and there's all kinds of needs that get um, unmet and there's hurts and there's disappointments and there's frustrations and people who go long amount of periods of time without sex and they don't get it from their spouse because their spouse is mad at them, all that kinds of stuff. Paul says there's so many complications. I just wish people were single like me. It would be a lot more simple in their life. Then he says, but singleness and celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. Notice that Paul connected celibacy with singleness. That is kind of a unheard of way in our world right now, that if you're single, God has a plan for you to stay celibate until marriage. What is celibate? It means that you're not sleeping around. You're not having sex until you're ready to come into the covenant with someone. Again, you're taking leadership of your hormones and your drives and your emotions. And you say, well, Paul, it's not that easy. Just because someone can write that on paper doesn't mean that I have the strength to lead myself in that way. And I would push back and say, with God's help, with the Holy Spirit's help, you can do it. Thankfully, I was able to save myself for my wedding night, that that was where I was able to give myself for the first time sexually to a woman, to my wife, was on the night that I got married. How was I able to do that? Only by the grace of God. Maybe you're watching today and you feel like, man, I feel condemned. I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I messed up. I've, I've slept with others. I've made mistakes. Man, I want to share with you today, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Today can be a new day for you. Today you can decide, you know what, I'm not going to let my hormones, my sexual drives, my emotions to control my desires. I am going to take ownership today. I'm going to learn how to lead myself in my love life so that the day that I do get married, I'm able to give myself from a place of purity rather than a place of I've been you know, doing whatever I wanted to do up until now. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you take leadership and how do you receive the grace of God that covers your past that gives you power in the present and gives you vision for the future. Grace is not a license to do whatever we want to do. Grace is the empowerment to say, you know what, I did make mistakes in the past. And maybe that's you, and maybe you're saying, Paul, I have slept around. I have sexually crossed lines. I have done things I wish I didn't do. The good news is today is a new day. God forgives you, and His grace empowers you to move forward and to walk in purity until the day that you get married. If you're a married person and you've crossed boundaries and you've maybe committed adultery or done things you shouldn't have done with someone else outside of marriage, today's a great day to repent, receive forgiveness, and move forward as the leader of your love life, saying, God, I'm no longer going to be driven by my desires, controlling what my flesh does. I'm going to take leadership. We need this more than ever right now in our world. So Paul says this. He says, God will give you the gift 
This is 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. God will give you the gift of singleness if that's what he's called you to be right now in this season. Just like he will give you the gift to be committed in the covenant of marriage if that's what he's called you to be in. If you're a married person, God can give you the gift to be totally committed to your spouse where you're not looking everywhere else with wandering eyes, wondering you know, if you want to be with somebody else. And then in the same way, if God's called you to be single right now, God's going to give you the gift to not be miserable while you're single. In other words, every season we're in, God can give us the gift to enjoy that season, make the most of that season, and not dread that season or feel like that season's the worst season ever. The season you're in right now is not a curse. It's not a curse. God wants this season to be a blessing for you. I want to talk just for a moment to the singles on how to make the most of your single season. What God showed me while I was single uh, through college and after college and waiting for the day that I would get married uh, years later after college. And I want to talk to you just for a moment, seven ways to be single, seven ways to lead your love life while you're waiting to get married. Seven ways. So number one, get a vision for your single life. Get a vision for your single life. In other words, write down, what do I want to accomplish while I'm single? Before I get married, what's my vision? What does God want me to run after during this season? Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, people perish without a vision. Uh, one version says, without a vision, we have no self-control, no restraints. I've met people who said, Paul, because I didn't have a vision, I slept around. I settled in relationships that I knew weren't right for me. I was in toxic things. I was allowing things to happen because I had no vision for my single life. Get a vision. How do you get a vision? You take time to pray. Write down some goals. Here's what I want to accomplish. I want to, I want to travel the world. I want to write some books. I want to get started in my career. I want to get out of debt. I want to pay off these school loans. I want to grow closer to God. I want to conquer this habit. What is that? That's vision. You're writing down goals. Number two, how to make the most, how to lead your love life while you're single waiting to get married. Number two, serve. Serve others. There's a novel idea that I had to embrace that my single life wasn't all about me and that married life wasn't all about me. And if you will prepare for marriage by serving during your singleness, man, you will enter into marriage not as the guy who's or the girl that's like, I need you to do this for me and that for me, but instead as the person of, you know what, I'm here to serve and it's not all about me. And and learning that during your single season. So for me, I started volunteering in the church. I started serving in our children's church. I started serving in the choir. I started serving in the youth group. I served as a connect group leader. Um, I served in my college campus. I volunteered to help with a leadership uh, uh, group that was on campus of teaching college students leadership. So I was serving. I was showing up. I was doing whatever I needed to do to help other people. I was going on mission trips, um, and I was serving in different ways, and I was learning through serving the kind of spouse that I needed to be for the day that I would get married. Number three, how do we lead our love life before marriage? Save your money. I know that's so practical and, and may, may not even sound spiritual to you, but save your money. Don't waste all your money during your single life. Don't blow every paycheck that comes in. Put some money to the side. I made a decision that I was going to start saving money up for my marriage one day, um, even before I had a girlfriend, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to have this little, you know, side account that I'm every paycheck putting a little bit towards every time I mow lawns, every time I do something, every time I go and travel with my band or speak, I'm going to put something to the side that that's for future. That's for marriage one day. 
That's for honeymoon. That's for the wedding ring. And I started that at a young age. I mean, the second that I started working, and I started working when I was like 12 years old. I started mowing lawns. I was a hustler as a 12-year-old, just going out, raking leaves, mowing lawns. And I started saving money to the side, preparing one day for marriage. I had, it was literally, it was like a marriage bank account, um, piggy bank. And thankfully, by the time that I got married, I had enough money to pay for my entire honeymoon, to pay for the entire wedding ring that I bought my wife, so I didn't have to you know, pay off month by month loans to get it. I even had enough money to pay for our first six months of the place that we you know, lived in, that I was paying those monthly all from what I had saved up. And on top of that, I had enough money for some solid date nights for the next six months uh, to go out and eat good places and go see a movie. And that was because I took time to just put a little bit away every single paycheck. So save your money. Learn how to budget while you're single. Don't wait to get married. Uh, Don't wait till you're married to start saving money and learning financial principles. Number four, how do you lead your love life well before you get married? Make memories as a single. Make memories. Make memories. Do some fun things, man. Go exploring. Say yes to the spontaneous. Say yes to those random ideas. Um, me and my friend, uh, he was single during that time. Both of us, we were in our early 20s. We decided to go for a summer and live in Maryland uh, uh, and live in Silver Spring, Maryland, which was you know so far away from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're talking leaving the Midwest and going to the East Coast. And when we were there, man, we would, we had so much fun. We worked for a summer camp, worked with, you know, teenagers and kids. We were camp counselors on the weekends. We got to do whatever we wanted to do. So we would go to DC, go to Baltimore, go to Philadelphia, go to New York City, uh, go to Ocean City, Maryland. And we would just make memories, learning, learning how to surf, going to Broadways and just having fun. This is a great season in your life. Make some memories. Do some fun stuff. Go on missions trips. Get out of your comfort zone. Go climb a a mountain somewhere. Go on a river rafting trip. Get together with some other singles and go do something fun together as often as possible. Make memories. Number five, get planted in a local church. For those of you that are listening today that may not believe in Jesus or may not really care about church, I want to encourage you. The local church is a great place to grow and develop your character, your integrity, your ability to be faithful in a marriage. If you're single, here's a great way to lead your love life. Here's a great way to learn how to lead. Get planted in a local church. The Bible says those who are planted in God's house, they will flourish like trees planted by the 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 big rivers, right? So trees that are planted next to rivers that are lush and that are flowing, that are deep, um, those trees are just going to take off. They're going to grow. They're going to be green. That's God's plan for you and for me. As a single, this is a great time to learn how to be faithful in a local church. Don't hop around from church to church to church to church, chasing the latest trends, uh, you know, just choosing which week, what place you want to go to the next week. Man, be faithful somewhere. Let, let a church find out who you are. Let them learn your name and you learn their names and serve and plug in there. I'm telling you, it will set you up to overcome some of the distractions that may be trying to pull you away. In that local church, you're going to find connect groups. You're going to find life-giving community and accountability to help you overcome some of those sexual drives and desires that have been overpowering you. The devil loves to take people out in isolation. So when you're isolated, when you're not in a church, you're isolated. You're all by yourself. You're trying to run your own race without any help. But man, when you get a brotherhood, a sisterhood around you, 
Like that's like the devil can't take you out when you've got a three chord strain is not easily broken. So getting connected. Number six, spend time with married people. Spend time with married people. Spend time with people who've been where you want to go one day and not just married people. Um, but I would say healthy married people, people that are 20 years, 30 years into this, 10 years, 15 years into this. And, and they're not teetering on divorce right now, but man, you can tell something's good about their marriage. They're doing something right. Spend time with those people. Learn from them. Uh, while you're learning as a single to make the most of the season, go learn from some married people that are doing it right, what they're doing to make it right. Learn how they take date nights as often as possible. Learn how they make each other a priority to serve one another. Learn from those married people. And number seven, here's the last point right here. How do I lead my love life? How do I make the most of my singleness before marriage? Number seven, while you wait, hope in Jesus more than marriage. While you're waiting to get married, learn to hope in Jesus more than marriage. I realized that once I got married, marriage didn't save me. It didn't fix me. It didn't solve all my problems. In fact, what marriage does is marriage amplifies your problems, your issues. So what I had to do is I, I had to make sure that during my singleness, man, I was allowing Jesus to be my complete satisfaction. I was allowing those drives on the inside me to want to be in a relationship, hating, you know, on Valentine's Day, feeling so lonely when I didn't have a girlfriend, frustrated, angry, you know, wishing I was in a relationship, wishing I was married, wishing I could have sex, all those things. I had to go oftentimes to a piano room on my campus at ORU. And uh, when I had graduated, I would go back to certain places where I could find a piano or a guitar and just worship God. And I know that sounds so strange, but while I was worshiping God, man, he was helping to satisfy the desires that hadn't been met yet. And God was helping me to realize he was my savior, that my spouse was not going to be my savior. Even now as a married man, we've been married almost nine years, coming up on nine years in a few months here, um, that I have to go oftentimes to that place of surrender in worship and remind myself, my wife is not my savior. My wife can't satisfy every single desire and need in my life. That's why I go to Jesus. So while you're waiting, learn to hope in Jesus more than marriage. I hope this has been helpful for you on learning to lead your love life for the singles that are listening to this. And I pray even for the married people that have been listening to this. I hope this has been helpful for you. Maybe even kind of brought back some memories of when you were single and maybe thinking about some singles that you can reach out to and mentor and be there for. I love you guys so much. God bless you. And tune back in for the next Learning to Lead episode.